says, starting in verse 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go, and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, and the herds and the flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. And the Lord set a time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land, and the next day the Lord did do this thing. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh said, and Behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. So, back at old Pharaoh again, you know, he's not going to let the people go no matter what happens. Um, this is the, the fifth plague here. And this plague affects the livestock. So the other plagues, you had effects of the water source, then you had all the nasty frogs and the flies and the gnats, and so the land started to be started to stink and not be near as pretty and appealing as it used to be. And we talked about how the frogs, you know, some of that plague was resembling one of their gods that they worship, and that was probably why he sent that plague. But this is the first plague that really affects the food source outside of the one that affected the fish and the water. And um, when it says all the livestock of Egypt died, this plague is actually directed against the Egyptian god Hathor, who was thought to be the mother goddess and was in the form of a cow. Again, they were just weird gods back in Egypt, okay? They weren't real rational. Um, and so they had this frog god, and then they had this god that was Hathor, which resembled a cow. So the Egyptian, the way they, how they kind of picked their gods in a sense was everything that gave them life or happiness was another like god to them. So food source, cows were like one of the main food source. We obviously had milk and you could eat the cows as well. Cats. Um, what do you say? Cats. Cats. <laughs> I mean, they don't give me much joy, but. Some people do though, you're right. They probably had a cat god, yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, with the land, the water, anything that basically gave them life, they had a god for they worshiped. So instead of praising the true God, they praised the creation and just made up their own gods for that. Um, but I'll tell you how, how crazy their dedication was to this particular God, though. Um, so um, an ancient record of the Battle of the Egyptians um, says they lost a battle because their enemies put a herd of cattle in front of the advancing troops. It worked because the Egyptian soldiers would not shoot and the opposing army for fear of accidentally killing what they consider to be the sacred cow. So, <laughs> so <laughs> what a great battle strategy. You're like, hey, you guys, love these cows. We'll just put a bunch of cows up there, they won't shoot us. Um, that's how dedicated the Egyptians were to the cows back then. So when this plague is sent, and we look at it from the 21st century, last, okay, it affects some food source, that's a little dumb, but to them, this was dramatic. This was horrible. You can't affect the cows. Um, and what I took away from that for us today is that everything God gives us in this earth, it can be used to glorify Him, but it can also be used as a mockery as well. You know, they took something great that's used for a food source, used for milk, uh, and instead of glorifying God because He gave them these cows, they made a mockery and actually celebrated it and worshiped the cow itself. And a lot of times, 
you know, we, we do that same thing in our lives today. We worship the creation rather than the creator. Uh, there's things that, you know, there's a lot of people out there today, scientists and um, uh, people that are uh, real involved in the nature, and they worship the creation rather than the actual creator itself. Uh, and in a sense, they make that their God. So this seems like a really far-fetched concept, but people still do this in a different sense in today's world today. Um, and, and I think when you think about our lives today, are we taking the gifts that God's given us, the livestock, you know, the land, the water, things like that, and are we giving it back to him? Or do we take it for granted? Because, see, these, the Egyptians, like I said, they started worshiping the cow, and they took it for granted. And so God said, okay, fine, I'll just get rid of them all. And, and then all of a sudden, and he did all of this to point them back to him because he wanted them to say, hey, look, you're worshiping the wrong thing. You're not giving me the glory and praise. And I can easily remove this. You don't have to have this. And I think in our lives today, especially in America, we have so much that we're blessed with and given. And it's easy to take it for granted. It's easy to go home to our house or our apartment, lay down in our bed at night, and, and think, well, yeah, it's great. You know, I have a bed. And then sometimes we're like, oh, I wish I had a king-size bed. I wish I had that bigger flat-screen TV. You know, I wish I, I lived in a three-bedroom house and not a two-bedroom or whatever it is. It's easy to get in that mindset. I do it, too. But I think this is a good reminder for all of us to, when we get home tonight, you know, just look around at all the things we do have that we don't have to have. You know, God bless us with that. You know, we could be living out on the streets and not have a home to go back to. So we really are blessed with what we have, especially in America. And instead of, you know, worshiping and idolizing material things, we need to make sure to give that glory and praise back to God and thank Him for that and be grateful and satisfied with what we do have. Uh, so when you're worshiping the gifts or the giver. Um, and so the, there's an important message as well to get the next part here. The cows of the Israelites did not die, however. You read that part in there. Only the cows of the Egyptians. And this is a major sign to people like, guys, I mean, clearly they're worshiping the right God. Um, but it's crazy how many signs that God shows them that people just totally ignore uh, or just do not get it. Um, but in our lives today, you know, God shows up in miraculous ways and does miracles all the time that, People just overlook, and they say, oh, well, must be a coincidence, or, you know, that's kind of crazy, but uh, whatever, it's, you know, nature. But God still moves today, and if we open our eyes to that, open our hearts to that, and sometimes we move our phones and devices and just, you know, ask, say, God, show me how you're acting today. Show me how you're present in the world today. There's little miracles happening all around us that if we just stop and give God the praise and glory for it, we'll see how he's working even in our lives today, just like he was back then. And so the next part here is pretty interesting. It gets, it gets pretty in-depth. So if you look at uh, verse 8, it says, And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soup from the kiln, and let Moses throw them in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. It shall become fine dust over all the land of Egypt, and become bulls, breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. So they took soup from the kiln and, and, and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses threw it in the air, and it became bulls breaking out in sores on man and on beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the bulls, for the bulls came up and magicians uh, on all the magicians in Egypt. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them. And the Lord had spoken to Pharaoh. So, plague number six happens, and now it actually affects the people themselves. And this plague is a foreshadowing of. If you don't turn to God, it's going to affect more than just you temporarily. People are, start, are going to start to die. 
Um, and that's what happens when we get to Passover next week. Um, but this plague here was really interesting about this plague. People sometimes can pass over is this one affected the magicians. So every other plague before this, the magicians and sorcerers could kind of replicate it, do it as well. So like, oh, he must just be some kind of other pagan god, you know, that we just don't worship. But now all of a sudden, these magicians, they're affected. They can't do this. And so the people are like, wait a second here. They can't do this and they can. There's something going on here. Um, and you'll start to see in the next play, some of the Egyptians actually start to fear God and start going in that side. They're like, wait a second, we made a mistake here because we can't do this. Uh, so it's kind of neat here. You know, they caused bulls to break out in swords on man and beast. And it's the third plague in the second set of three. This plague came without warning. This time we didn't warn Pharaoh. It just happened. Uh, and, and this is the progression we're about to see because God tells them the next part here, I could have just destroyed you right away and just said, you're done, Pharaoh. But I've given you five different chances, now six, without killing you or without killing your people. And the reason God does that because he wants to show that although I'm upset with you not following me and worshiping pagan gods and idolizing these things, I still love you, Pharaoh. I still love the people of Egypt. And I still desperately want you guys to turn back to me. It's not my ultimate desire to just destroy you. That's not, you know, my main characteristic there. My characteristic, God's characteristic is love. He wants to love. He wants to show them love. And he wants to show them grace. So he gives them chance and chance again. And a lot of times we look at this story, we're like, why, didn't, why did God give them 10 different plagues? It's not because God didn't ultimately punish Pharaoh and the Egyptians. It was because these were all 10 different warnings, basically. There were nine warnings before the last one. That God is saying, Pharaoh, turn back to me. Pharaoh, turn back to me. You know, and, and not just to Pharaoh, the whole land of Egypt. Showing them that, hey, you guys are wrong, but instead of destroying you, I'm asking you to turn back to me. I'm giving you a wake-up call. And in a sense, it's basically like God is being the parent to the child of the, of the Egyptians, and he punishes them for not doing the right thing because seeking that punishment, he's hoping they turn to repentance and start living the right way. Well, that first punishment doesn't work, so then he goes on to the next punishment, the next one. It's kind of like a parent, you know, they may take away your phone for a day, and the kids still do the same thing, and so day two comes around, and the punishment gets a little more severe, and then, you know, if they're still doing the same thing again, next week, the punishment gets a little more severe, and so, it gradually goes on. It's not because you hate your kids and you just want to punish them and hate on them. It's because you want them to see, hey, you can't keep doing this. It's going to harm you and you need to turn in this direction. It's a wake-up call to the Egyptians. And so really this story is a lot of story of God's grace and love because he, again, gives them time and time again chances even though he knows they keep turning against him. And um, um, one thing that's also important to note is that no one can escape God's discipline. Some of the Egyptians and magicians, uh, some of the magicians in Egypt thought that they were basically as high as the gods because they could do all these magical powers and things like that. But all of a sudden, this plague affects them, and they're breaking out with swords and they're in pain, they're suffering, and probably crying like little babies. I'm sure I'll probably too. Oh, and so, and you know, this is a really embarrassing time for them. And it's a wake up call to say, "Hey, look, you know, just because I'm giving you gifts, you have these abilities, you're not higher than me. And if you don't use these gifts for my glory," you're going to pay the consequences just like everybody else does. And I think sometimes, you know, pastors and uh, teachers and leaders in society, especially politicians, you know, they can get to this mindset that, oh, I have all these great gifts, I'm better than everybody else, I can do whatever I want to do. It's not going to matter. Eventually it catches up to you. 
whether here on earth or in the life beyond, um, you know, God does win in the end. And so he's kind of showing them all here. Yeah, I'll let you get away with it for a little while. Eventually, you're going to pay the consequences, too, unless you turn back to me. Um, and so uh, there's a really interesting part here I want you guys to read um, about Pharaoh. And it, it goes on here in verse 13. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put my hand and struck you down and your people of pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power, to show you that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You were so exalting yourself against my people and would not let them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow, I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as has never been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now therefore sin, get your, get your livestock and all that you have in the field in the safe shelter. For every man and beast in the field that is not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh, this is the important part, among the servants of Pharaoh, Hurried his slaves and livestock into the houses. Some of these slaves are like, we are, we are not doing this no more. We are, but we're taking the word here this time. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field, and they died. Um, I want you guys to, to think about something here before we really go into this passage here. Uh, this, next, this last part. You know, this is warning number seven now. Okay, this is the seventh plague that has come upon the people. And by this time, people are starting to finally listen. Pharaoh's still in that, you know, doing his own thing kind of realm. But some people now are actually starting to listen to God's voice. You can see here, you know, they hurried. They didn't just, you know, gradually get their livestock and put them in the shelter. These slaves of Pharaoh, or servants of Pharaoh, were like, no, we're getting these cows in the shelter. We, we're trusting the voice this time, uh, the voice of the Lord. But some of them still didn't. After all they saw, all the signs and wonders that God did, they still didn't listen to him. And because of that, livestock and people died. And I think about our church today, you know, how many warnings does it take us in, in whatever realm we look at that we need a heart change and how bad do things have to get? You know, we have to soften our heart to God and do whatever he wants from us as a church. And that goes with anything in life. You know, when things aren't going the right way, Maybe we get away from God's will in a sense. Or maybe we start doing things the way we want to do and we think is best. And it's not working anymore. You know, how many signs does God have to show us? How many hard times have to come upon us before we finally say, hey, maybe we're not doing things the right way. Maybe we're doing things our, things our way, not God's way. We fall down repentance and say, you know what, God? I'm sorry. I've been doing things my way. How, how do you want things done? What do you want for our church? What do you want for, for my family? What do you want for myself? And whatever he tells us to do, no matter how irrational it may sound, we run in that direction and do it. Because we know that he's going to guide us into the promised land. He's going to guide us into safety. And I want you guys to think about something in this passage right to that point. He said hell was going to fall on Egypt like never before. Okay, hell didn't fall on Egypt. That wasn't a thing back then. Um, it's not, you know, they didn't have like 
monthly hailstorms that came through. And so this is totally irrational, you know, for, to, in the people's minds to say this. And to say, go hide your animals and stuff, you know, people are like, it's not going to hell, that's crazy. But because they've had all these signs and, and warnings before that, some people started to say, you know what, maybe we should listen to God, even though what he's saying doesn't seem like it will actually happen. And so they went ahead and followed God's commands, and those that did were guided into safety. They were spared from the harm, they were protected, and they, they had a chance to go forward again the next day. And so in our lives today, you know, are we willing to yield to God's plan over our plan, even for our church, for ourselves and our families, even if his plan doesn't seem rational to us, or doesn't make sense in the moment? Because sometimes God's doing something greater, and we just trust in him, Eventually, we're going to be grateful we did that. Oh, and so I, I, one thing I, I, I found is really neat about it is it says hoarded is the expression, not of the divine purpose, but of the result of disobedience to the divine appeals. As a matter of fact, all the plagues were intended and calculated to soften Pharaoh's heart if Pharaoh had only been willing to yield. So, you know, in our own lives today, if we're going through some times that are tough, times that don't make sense, you know, things aren't working like, we, like they used to, we don't see God's presence like before, it may be time to ask ourselves, have we hardened our hearts to God? Have we hardened our hearts to what God's called us to do? You know, maybe what we're doing is not, not bad, maybe it's not what God wants, though. Maybe what we're doing is not, you know, sinful, but it's not necessarily the right thing either. Uh, and so you think about what are we what are we doing uh, to yield to God's plan? And in this last part we just read here is only those that responded in faith were rewarded in the end. Rainfall comes so occasionally in Upper Egypt that the prediction of severe hailstorm accompanied by a violent electrical storm must have been greeted with great spectacle. But people trust started to trust the Lord over what they thought was right and yield to him. And now Pharaoh, so Pharaoh then is going to have a fake repentance, okay? So after all this happens, Pharaoh's going to come and now say, okay, I'm going to repent to God. But I want you to see how that repentance is very short-lived and why God doesn't honor that repentance because it doesn't come from the heart. So the last part here in chapter 9 says, oh, we're going to start in verse 25. <clears throat> the hail struck the hail such as had never been in the land of Egypt since had been a nation. The hail struck down everything that was in the field and all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. Then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, This time I have, I have sinned. Again, this is Pharaoh saying this now. He says, This time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Okay? And then he says here, Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. So Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out to the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, so that you may know um, that the earth is the Lord's. But as far as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. But the wheat and the emmer were not struck down, for they were late in coming up. But Moses went out from the city from Pharaoh and stretched out his hands to the Lord, and the thunder and hail did cease. 
and the rain no longer poured upon the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart and he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. He did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. What do you guys catch something really important there? Pharaoh comes to Moses and Aaron and says, I have sinned. I am wrong. You, your God is the one that's the true God. I'm going to follow him. I've let the people go. I, I made a mistake. And so Moses, you know, meets this with some skepticism. He's like, okay, yeah, probably not true. We've, we've kind of heard this carousel a little bit here. But you know what, Pharaoh? If you really did mean it, I'll go to the Lord and I'll ask him to stop the hell and the rain because God is gracious to him. And he, again, he wants him to turn to repentance. So Moses goes and pleads with the Lord, and God does stop all the hail, the rain, and the thunderstorms. But then right after that, he sins again and says, I'm not letting the people go. And, I, and the reason I point that out is because we have a lot of Christians in our society today that are sayers and not doers. They'll say all the right things in the right time, but as soon as life gets a little hard again, or as soon as the storms of life pass over, they go back to living for themselves once again. They go back to living right in the world, living right as, as society tells them to, and they avoid God completely. And God doesn't honor that lifestyle. You know, God tells, God tells us to respond to him in faith, to trust him in the good times and the bad. And a true heart of repentance will be shown by our actions, what comes forth, the fruit we have in our lives. You know, fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And if we don't exhibit any of those things in our lives, if we're not seeing God's presence in our lives, then maybe our heart really hasn't been given over to Him. We're doing the right things, going to church, we're saying the right things, but we're not in the right, right relationship with God. And that's the problem with Pharaoh here, is he said the right things, he almost did the right thing for a second, but his heart was not in the right relationship with God. And because of that, he ended up sitting again and going right back to his old lifestyle. A Christian doesn't mean that we're going to live a perfect life, but it means that we truly give our lives to him and surrender. Our heart changes till we say, God, I want to desire what you desire now, not necessarily what I want to desire. I'm going to turn my plans to your plans and follow you. And until we make that kind of commitment and truly give our lives to God, we're not going to see his presence um, in our lives like we would want to. We're not going to see that love and that joy and that faithfulness. We're not going to see God come through time and time again because God doesn't honor a heart that's not truly given to him. Um, and the last thing here that we're going to talk about is are we a church of sayers or doers? God is still chasing after us and his grace is sufficient like we see in, in Pharaoh. He's going to give us uh, time and time again in our own lives and as a church family. But are we listening and following his direction? Our actions tell the world who we follow. And when people come to Ricardo Baptist Church, you know, we're doing the right thing. We're leading worship. We're preaching. But is our heart truly committed to God? And that's something we all have to answer. I, I deal personally myself with God. Each individually, are our hearts truly given to him? Are we really in a right relationship with him? Because if we are, People come into our church, they'll feel a difference. They'll feel a different presence. They'll see the way we interact with each other, the joy we have in our lives, even when even we're going through something terribly hard. And that's going to inspire them to say, maybe I should look at my own life, and maybe I'm not following the right God. I'm not following God like I should. 
when they come into a church and the atmosphere is dead, people are back talking to each other, they're bickering with one another, and then people are, no matter what, what kind of music we have, no matter what kind of preaching we have, people are going to leave and say, I, I don't think that's for me, you know, because it, it seems fake to me. People know, you know, if we're being real or not. The world can tell that. And so I think the challenge to us is to not be like Pharaoh in our own lives and as a church, truly give our hearts to God and be in the right relationship with Him. And only you and God truly know that. And if we are, as a church family, people come in, they're going to feel that love and that joy. When people see you at your workplaces and out, out in public, they're going to see that love and joy you have in your life. We can point countless number of people back to Him. We can see His presence like never before. And the rewarding they will give us. Let me pray for us here tonight. Dear Lord, thank you so much just for showing us what your word says to us in Exodus 9. It can be challenging, God, but it's a very important word for us just to know that if we don't truly give our hearts to you, if we don't truly have a relationship with you, God, then no matter what we say and do, we're eventually going to fall back just how the world does. We're going to go back to our old lifestyles. When push comes to shove, we're not going to choose you. So God, I ask that tonight we just all individually get our hearts right with you. Whatever's going on in our lives, whatever sin or trials or temptations that are just getting in the way, God, of, of, of us fully giving our lives to you, I ask that we just turn that all over to you. Turn it over to repentance, turn it over, and God, say, I can't do this by myself. I need your help and your grace. And God, just come upon us, give us your presence like never before. Let us turn back to you. And we know you still have great plans for us as a church, as individuals. And you're going to lead us to the promised land, God, if we turn to you. God, thank you for what you have done. Thank you for what you're going to do. And God, I ask that we just praise and worship you when we say, think, and do this week. 